All right, thank you for being here tonight. It's an honor to know you're attending here. You could be any number of places tonight, amen? Glad you're here. We'll be in Philippians 1. We are now going through the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians on Wednesday nights. We are in chapter 1, and I want to begin by reading verses 3 through 11. The Bible says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So we have covered verses 1 through 6 already, and we have seen how Paul had a special relationship with this church. Paul and Silas suffered much to see this church established. And you can understand how blessed Paul is in writing this epistle to this church, that it's still going after going through so much to see this church established, to know that it is still going forward and still going strong, certainly would have meant a lot to him. We've covered how this church was well organized. They were faithful to right doctrine. And Paul doesn't have to rebuke this church like he will with the Galatians and the Corinthians. But with this church, there's a lot more joy that he has in writing this And we'll consider, there's more to it we'll consider as we progress through this letter than just having proper people in place and having right doctrine. That's not enough. And we'll see tonight it takes more than that. And so we'll see that as we progress through this. We have seen in verses 3 through 5 how he is thankful for this church every time he remembers them. And in every prayer for them, he does so with joy. And the reason was because they had fellowship in the gospel. This is more than just socializing, although that's part of it, and that is important. This goes beyond that, and this includes a partnership that we have in the gospel. We have partnered together tonight for the gospel's sake. Amen? We have partnered together with the understanding that we are commissioned by God to get the Word of of God out to as many people as we can in hopes of seeing them come to know Christ as their Savior. And we see that there is a special bond between those who have yoked up together for the work of disseminating the gospel to the lost. What's interesting to me is there are sometimes people will say, well, uh, these people over here, they just have their own little thing going. It could be they just love the Lord. Is it too soon to preach? Uh, Because here's what you say, well, you know, um, these pastors like to run together and they don't like... Well, it could be that they have a common bond and that they're trying to reach the lost. And so sometimes people are on the outside and they look in and they say, well, I just think it's just y'all over here. Well, maybe because there's a partnership there that you've yet to enter into. And so 
we, we need to all be on the same page. We all need to be yoked up together. We all need to be partnered together for the dissemination of the gospel. And, there, and when we do that, there's a special bond that develops as a church. Well, for starters, we're unified around a common cause. We have a same vision. We have the, the same love for lost souls. We, we have the same understanding of the Word of God. And, and so that keeps us together. It keeps us bonded together. We understand the importance of the undertaking that we are involved in tonight. And what, what it does is it brings us into this fellowship in the Word. It brings us into a partnership. You may have a bond with those you work with, and that's good. I had a lot of those in the military. I enjoyed the camaraderie we had. But it should pale in comparison to what you find in your local church. Our local church ought to be where we find our closest relationships, our closest friendships, the bonds that we have here. But listen to me, please. You have to plant yourself. You have to be in church. It's not enough to be in and out. It's not enough to be in for a season, out for longer, bounce back in, bounce back out, and then complain about how nobody likes you. But we have to be in. We we have to be planted in. And so when we do that, and we we plan ourselves in, and we understand we're here for a purpose, we're going to be united. We are a unique group of people tonight. You're bonded to those at work because you may have the same education. You may have the same career, the same you know, area you're heading as career-wise, same ladder you're climbing, if you will. Church is unique. We have people from all different walks of life, right? We have people that are in this job or that job, and, and yet we're all here together. We're all here because we have a common purpose, and, and we have bonded together on that. We are unique in that we pray together. We sing together, we weep together, we joy together, we serve together, we give for the same reason to the same cause. We are invested in the work that God has called us to do. We are a group unlike any other upon this earth. This is why in the first century it was so unique that you had this church emerging that was welcoming of both Jew and Gentile. It made no sense. How is it that all of a sudden, a Jew and a Gentile can sit on the same row. The Jews hated the Gentiles. They were unclean. But in Christ, we're all made one. And so we have this uniqueness about us. And we ought to demonstrate that as Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. We ought to be able to show this city there's something different here. This is a place where no matter my background, no matter my upbringing, no matter my station in life, I have a welcoming family here. In verse 6, we saw how we are secure in this fellowship. Once we are in Christ, the good work which God hath begun in us, He will perform it until the day of Christ. And it's a comfort to know that we are secure and that God Himself is invested in us. I mean, just imagine that. God knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He's invested in you. And He's working in you. He wants to bring you into conformity of Christ. Uh, Listen, He wants to give you life and give it more abundantly. I don't mean that in a prosperity way. But I mean that in in being centered in the Word of God and the peace that we have, the joy that we have in Christ. And that's a comfort to me to know that God is so invested in me. 
And I want you to know that God wants more out of us than just our salvation. He, he wants more out of us than just to know that we're not going to hell. He, he wants us to uh, get beyond that and get into a church where we are serving, where we are more than just, well, I've got my, my golden ticket. No, no, no. Listen, we, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so church, it's more than just coming in here and listening to me uh, talk, right? But it's, this is kind of our rallying point where we get charged up and we get ready to go out into the world, into the fight. But it's, it's so much more than just coming in here. And so God is, is conforming us in this life. Thank God for that. And now we get to where we left off. Let's read again verses 7 through 9. Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you, all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. We find here Paul is continuing to express his feelings for this church in Philippi. And I think it's good that we see this side of the Apostle Paul in the Word of God. We look at the Apostle Paul, we know he was a strong man of God, he was a servant, uh, he endured so much, and he kept going. But we find here, um, Paul is a man of like passions. Amen? He, he was a man that would express his feelings um, to those around him, and I guess we're going to go there tonight. Amen? Um, sometimes men don't like to express their feelings. And yet that's what we find the Apostle Paul doing here. Uh, some are so reserved when it comes to expressing their feelings, and some are far too expressive. <laughs> Amen. But I believe there is a middle ground there that we ought to find. There is, uh, there is a part of us that ought to be able to express uh, certain feelings, assuming our heart is in the right place. Amen. Some things we may not need to say. <laughs> Amen. Uh, other things we do, we, we need to say certain things. I believe we can learn from this text that we should all be a people that can express how we feel about one another, assuming that uh, we're not trying to cause division and all that kind of stuff. Some people, you'll find, they're too proud to apologize when necessary. Some people are too reserved to say how much they appreciate somebody. Some come from such harsh upbringings that they're reluctant to share their feelings because they're afraid of what the response might be in return. They just don't know. Without communication, relationships die. I've said that repeatedly. I'll say that on and on. There has to be communication. When you become a member of this church, we give you a new member packet, and there in the front there's a letter by me, and it says, if you know of any problems... Please bring them up. Because when they're not brought up, the problem festers. There's a lack of communication. Relationships splinter. They break. Um, a preacher once said, if you'll deal with the splinters, you won't have a split. And so if you know of issues, bring them up, not in a bad way, but in a way that it can be rectified. And it doesn't have to come to me. It's just if you have a problem with somebody, try to make that right. Amen. And so we have to be mindful of, of expressing ourselves in the right way. Um, 
if we cease to express our feelings for one another, it leads to a weaker congregation. And what happens inevitably is there will be those who will decide to seek out greener pastures because they don't feel welcomed. They don't feel loved. They don't feel appreciated. And they'll come and they'll say, well, you know, I just don't feel like I fit in. And they'll go somewhere else. So are you going to other people? I know we get used to where we sit and we kind of fellowship in that area, but we really ought to be branching out, amen? We ought to be meeting new people. We ought to be taking the time to welcome them in. I'm probably getting ahead of myself just a little bit. And so people will leave, and I've seen this take place even this year. And it breaks my heart every time somebody leaves this church. I mean, I, maybe I take it too personally, and uh, it really affects my studies, everything. And, but I want you to know, I, I, man, I'm invested. I'm all in, and, and I care about the families that are here. And, and when I hear people don't feel welcome, they don't feel loved, and it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. And listen, it's too much for one man. I can't go to all 150 people all the time and make sure they feel loved and welcome. I do my best. But listen, it's going to take you. It's going to take you being invested, you being involved. God has been so very good to us in that He keeps bringing people to us. Um, and I believe He's doing that because we do have some right things in place. And I believe we are very welcoming. Don't misunderstand me. But I just want to make sure as God is bringing those people in, we're doing our part. And it's our responsibility to make sure they know that they are welcomed and that we are glad that they are here. Maybe they have the smell of alcohol on their breath. So what? I'm glad they're here. Maybe they're in an inappropriate relationship. So what? I'm glad they're here. Amen. Listen, I'm not saying we're compromising on who we allow to be members and all that kind of stuff, but we ought to be welcoming to everybody that we can. And so I'm glad they're here. And we ought to go out of our way not to look kind of out of the side of our eyes and just think, well, no, I'm not going to mess. No, we need to go up and we need to make sure we extend a, a hand of fellowship to them and that we do, we do care that they're here. And so just make sure you're, you're doing that, especially on Sunday mornings when we tend to have most of our visitors. And what this will do, um, for those who are hesitant to meet new people, is it requires you to get out of your comfort zone. I've often said God made me a pastor as a joke because it is out of my comfort zone. Uh, I am not a social butterfly. I, I'm perfectly fine alone. I, I drove over 4,500 miles all by my... I loved it. Uh, that's how I roll, amen? But that doesn't fly in every situation. And we have to get out of our comfort zone and we have to go up and we have to talk to people. Uh, you know, most, if not all people appreciate hearing that they are welcomed or that they're appreciated. Um, I guess maybe there's some that don't, but I, I think most of us would say, yeah, it's nice to get a pat on the back. It's nice to know that people notice me, um, you know, that kind of thing. We need to take time during our gatherings to recognize one another. And listen, this has to go beyond just exchanging pleasantries. Oh, how was your weekend? Well, it is the weekend, never mind. Uh, whatever. <laughs> it's got to go beyond just that. It, it's got to get deeper uh, in order to build relationships. We need to be invested in one another. And so this means we branch out. 
um, when we do gather. And listen, it means we go beyond just Sundays and Wednesdays. Amen. Listen, this means that we take time to have people over at the house or take them out for a meal or see them in passing. We take time to talk, all these kind of things. It takes more than just when we're here uh, to really build these relationships. And so we need to communicate uh, to one another throughout the week and really meet with one another when we're able to because that's what causes our relationships to grow. Paul says in verse 1, and this is where I want to focus, he says, or not verse 1, he says in verse 7, I have you in my heart. That's what we need to do. We need to have people in our hearts. What does this mean? Well, it means we must love one another. Notice in verse 9 that Paul says that your love may abound yet more and more. Our love ought to abound. Paul had them in his heart. And when you have someone in your heart, you have a love for them that drives you to be with them as often as possible. When you met your soon-to-be, you couldn't get her out of your mind. She was always before you. You couldn't get it out of your heart. It is something that was just driving you. And what you did is you began to make arrangements to be together. Amen. You made money so that you could spend it on them. You were invested. You went out of your way to be with her, and you went out of your way to do so. Amen. Amen. Listen, it's okay. We're allowed to talk about relationships in church. Amen. Amen. Um, This is where you husbands need to be like, Amen, I love my wife. Praise the Lord. Um, that's better. Actually, I don't know what that was, but <clears throat> I can't tell if that was ow or ow. All right. When I, when I took this time off, I felt a, a pressing need, I don't know why, to go see my parents. Um, I don't know. I, maybe it's because my dad's turning 77 this month and I just felt like I needed to go see him. And um, so I, I had this desire to be there for a few days. Why? Because they're in my heart. They're in my heart. And that drives you to want to be with those people, to know of their well-being. After being gone from home, I began to have the desire to be back with my family. Why? They're in my heart. I wanted to see my children again. I wanted to be with my wife again. I wanted to be back in that environment And I wanted to be back here with you and our church family. I have you in my heart. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about you. I want you to know that. There's not a day that I don't feel the weight of what we're doing here. And I have you in my heart. You're always before me. I long for us to be together. This is why through this pandemic it's been so difficult. Because you see some of the sheep scatter. And you feel so helpless that that you can't do anything. It's out of our control. I mean, listen, I I, I don't have the vaccine. I don't have the remedy. And, uh, and, And it is what it is. And because they're in my heart, because you're in my heart, it breaks my heart when I see somebody leave. 
one of the most difficult things being pastor is watching people come and go. I, I, I'd have to recount. I don't know what we're up to now. I've been here almost five years. And I'll bet you we've had over 70 people come in and out during that time. And, and I don't mean visitors. I mean people who have come in, membered up, left. And uh, boy, it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. It's all you can do sometimes to keep up with attrition. Amen. And so I'm just saying, you're in my heart, and, and I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just trying to be sappy here. I'm not a good sappy guy. But we must love those who come in and go out. We must love them all the same. And I think that's difficult sometimes. But we, we have to. We have to love them all the same. Paul is expressing his love here for these Philippians. He had them in his heart. And I want to tell you tonight, this is how we ought to feel about one another. That we're in each other's heart. That it goes beyond just the fact that we've joined up somewhere. But that we have a relationship with one another. And this is how we ought to be. And the reason why is because we have the same Heavenly Father. We've been adopted into the same family. Amen. Listen, God is my Father. Christ is my brothers. I'm joint heirs. That's what unites us together. And that's what causes us, or should cause us, to have us all in our hearts. Why shouldn't we then make arrangements to be together? Why shouldn't it be any different than when we first met the one we were going to marry and we did everything we could? Why shouldn't we have that desire to gather together? And I know I'm talking to the Wednesday night faithful, but look around. It doesn't look like it does on Sunday morning. Right? And and, and listen, I'm not coming down on anybody. It breaks my heart. This is our most important service of the week. We ought to be here to pray. But listen, it's because we've been adopted into the same family. And so we ought to make these arrangements to be together. We do that. We have it on the schedule to be here on Sundays, to be here on Wednesday. We have special meetings um, throughout the month or different things throughout the year. And those who are able, listen now, those who are able and who have this church body in their heart, they will make the effort to be in attendance. And and this is where I realize you can't keep everybody. As much as it breaks my heart. Man, I was broken here recently. Um, I won't go into the details. Some of you may not even know, but... Um, and it was just like, what can I do to make this right? I didn't even know there was a problem, you know? And, and you're trying to reach out and you're trying to uh, encourage them. And then you realize, where are you at Sunday night? Where are you at for Sunday school? Where are you at for Wednesday night? Where are you at for ladies' meetings and men's prayer and anniversary days and family camp? Listen, if it's in your heart, you'll make the effort. Okay? And so I understand there are certain things we can't, we can't control. But we ought to do everything we can in our power. You can begin to tell where a person's heart heart is at by the faithfulness of their attendance. Because you will make the time to be with those you love. And if anything, you should love to be here because you ought to be wanting to come to meet with God. (laughs) At least win that argument. Amen. If you don't, relationships suffer. And, and this kind of thing, it's so common. Uh, it's common in marriages. One spouse will typically bring up how they don't spend as much time together as they used to. 
And they'll go back in their mind and they'll think about when they first met and what all that man would do to try to win her affection. And now she feels like she's second class because we're not spending the time together that we used to spend. And, and you hear this a lot. It's, it's not some random thing. And what happens is the one who is now being neglected, they no longer feel important, and rightfully so. When you fell in love, you spent all the time you could together because they were in your heart. My wife knows I want to spend time with her. I don't know how much stock to put into the love languages, but they seem to be true. Uh, mine is quality time. I want quality time with my wife. I want to be able to go out to eat and sit in a booth across from her and just her and no distractions. And, and when we have somebody in our heart, that's what we want. We want that time together. This year we will celebrate 25 years of marriage. Amen. Lord willing, we'll get there. Amen. She burns one more meal, it's all in jeopardy. <laughs> I don't remember you ever really burning a meal, though. I don't think y'all could hear that. Um, she said, I don't look like I've been missing any meals. <laughs> don't you encourage her. That's not wise. But I'm already looking forward to June because we're hoping to be able to take a trip somewhere and uh, celebrate that milestone together. What is that, the magenta year? What is that one? Silver? silver? Okay, I don't know. Magenta, silver, I don't know. It's something fancy. Jasper. Topaz. Amen, topaz. All right. Back to where I was at. This is why I get so concerned when I notice church attendance beginning to slip. Because you recognize a person's heart's beginning to be drawn somewhere else. Just like any relationship, we must guard against the things which will hinder our fellowship. Just as, a, just as soon as a relationship begins to diminish in your heart, you ought to reach out to that person and try to get it back to where it needs to be. Amen. You ought to make that effort in your life to restore things to where they ought to be. You haven't always felt the same way about your spouse as you did when the sparks were first flying. Amen. Yeah. You can tell me you have no arguments. That's fine. I don't believe you. <laughs> and if you do, you'll be divorced soon. Because you're just bottling it up. Amen. <laughs> Somebody's getting a fork to the forehead at that rate. <laughs> but, where am I at? <laughs> Just as soon as a relationship begins to diminish, get it where it needs to be. Um, in, our, in our own relationships, you have disagreements, you have ups and downs, but if you're still together, it's because you took time to make that right. And so, praise God for that. I just want to encourage you that if you have a relationship you know that needs to be made right, please make the effort to make it right. Amen. So is there someone that used to be in your heart and they are no longer Maybe a relationship has weakened to the point you barely communicate anymore. Would you reach out to them? Listen, our church will not go forward with great power until we're unified. That's a biblical fact. We are a family. Or we're supposed to be. Think about the special bond many children have. 
If they were not family, they probably wouldn't even get along. I'm talking about kids in the home. But there's a special bond there. Why? Because they have the same parents. We have the same father. And, and those children, they are members of the same family. And it's amazing how two siblings can live in the home and they can be at each other's neck and they can hate each other's guts seemingly and yet they get out there in the world and you let one of them say something nasty about their sister and you watch that brother begin to get riled up, come to her defense. I remember my sister, she had a kidney disease when, when she was young and they put her on prednisone and it caused her to swell really bad and she was just getting picked on, something fierce at school and that made the, the big brother in me rile up, you know and come to her defense. Never mind the fact we were punching and scratching and clawing just hours before, right? There's a special bond there. Um, and so there's a uniqueness there. My big sister would tell those who mess with her on the bus, don't you make me get my brother on you. He will flip out. And you don't want to see him flipped out. And um, Listen, I'm not proud of my sin nature, but um, Lord has helped me to grow. Amen. Amen. <sighs> I'm just trying to communicate that when someone is in our hearts, it drives us to defend them, to be with them, because we love them. Now, as adults, we should never desire to be at each other's necks. Ever. Amen. We are supposed to grow up past childhood. We are not to be fighting like siblings. But what I am saying is when, when disagreements do arise, we should desire to make any relationship right with one another because we are members of the same family. So let me ask you, is this church body in your heart? I know i got to hurry here, and i still got a little bit more to go, but are you thankful and prayerful for one another? And if you can't say that you have love for one another, then are you even in Christ? That's not me talking. That's the Bible. I'm not going to take the time now to read all these passages. Let me find one that will just stand out here. We know, 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. There's so many in 1 John that we could read, and I just don't have time to tonight. We've got to get to the financial report. But do you love those within the family of God? Do you long to be around brothers and sisters in Christ? If not, then according to those verses which I would have read unto you, you need to do a gut check and see whether or not you be in the faith. And I didn't mean to spend all of our time on this thought tonight, just the way the Holy Spirit led. But I think it's okay because I know that this thought is absolutely critical to a church's health. We will not go on to greater heights if we are always struggling with one another. And Satan knows this. Churches in America have not been closed from without. They have been closed from within. From disputings and wranglings and strifes. And one thing I've learned as a pastor is this. The enemy knows that if they can get us distracted on always having to deal with internal relationships, getting those things right, then we'll never focus on the main thing because we're always focused on getting relationships right. And so we've got to, we've got to grow up past that. But imagine if the church, imagine if a church had the right kind of biblical love for one another. And they didn't have to spend time mending relationships all the time. Imagine what could be accomplished if we stayed unified and could focus almost all of our efforts in the right direction. So I challenge you tonight for the cause of Christ and for the health of this church body that if you have anything against another, please reach out and try to make it right. And then I would challenge you to please seek out those who are visiting, those 
maybe you notice are now slipping, reach out to them. Let them know you appreciate them. Get out of your comfort zone. Express your feelings, guys. Amen? And women, don't express them too much. Amen? Have someone over for a meal. Take someone out for a meal, but get to know one another more deeply this year. If we're going to reach more people, then we must, they must know that we care about them. And you've heard it said, people don't know, care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's the truth. Not everyone will stay with us. That breaks my heart. But we can at least set the right environment for people to stay. I don't reckon any pastor has ever had a family come to them and say, Preacher, I just want to let you know we're going to be leaving because we're just loved too much here. And I'd much rather be in a more contentious church. That's never said. And so our love must abound more and more. Let's do our part. Let's get out of our comfort zone. and Let's express our love for each other. So leave out of here tonight with our church in your heart. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray.